Well, good morning, Fellowship family. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. My name is Tad Moore. I'm on staff with the student ministry team, and I uh, wanted to start off this morning with a bit of a trivia question. Uh, there was the hottest temperature recorded in Arkansas. It was 110 degrees. It happened in 1954 or 2011. Who thinks it was 1954? Show of hands. Who is here for that one? Can you tell us what was it like? Who, th- who thinks 2011? Who thinks it was this weekend? It wasn't, it wasn't. We only hit like 94, but it sure feels like 2020. Was, oh, the trivia question, it was a tie. Both of those years hit that, but it seems like 2021 wants a piece of the pie and we're really pushing for it. So we may tie that record at some point this summer, which would be fun. Um, we've had some really fun student hangouts this summer. Wanted to put up a highlight of just some fun things we've done in FSM over the summer. We got to take our upcoming senior classmen to uh, Colorado for a week, which was so fun. Uh, and it was really sweet getting to spend a week with them and hear about how they've been growing in their faith and encourage them as they go into their senior year. And we had a lot of fun doing it, got to go rafting. We've also had some summer hangouts. We've gone to some parks, played some games. We've also went to Arcadia. If you haven't been to Arcadia Retrocade over in like the Evelyn Hill shopping area, you've gotta go check it out. It is so fun. I bet the students that nobody could beat me at air hockey and I dominated, dominated everyone, just crushing kids' spirits. Actually, a couple of them beat me, but my excuse is that I was holding my son. So I was, I was in it one-handed, but still took him down. But uh, we, we've had a lot of fun with students this summer and we would, we're excited to jump into the fall semester, getting to do cell groups again where we meet in homes. Students, if you're in here, we also have a student service that meets in the student center. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, the early service is usually more junior high, like seventh, eighth graders, and then the second service, ninth through 10th graders. So come and join us for that. We'd love to get you plugged into what we're doing with student ministry. Uh, we also have one more family hangout happening this summer, August 14th. I believe that's not this Saturday, but the following from six to eight. We're gonna be at the Wilson Park Public Pool, just having a family fun night. And so come hang out with us, whether you're young, old, single, married, have kids or don't. We wanna celebrate as a, the end of summer as a church family. So come hang out with us. We'll be at Wilson Park six to eight and we'd love to see you there. Um, also, as we're getting into the fall semester, we're gonna be jumping back into community groups and many groups will be relaunching and, and starting to meet. Uh, and wanted to share just a cool story of something that we got to experience this, this weekend, my wife and I, uh, but... We, um, last summer, as many churches were, were shut down, we got to gather with some neighbors just up and down our street. We'd meet on Sunday mornings in people's front yards or backyards, and many of us went to even different churches, but just still wanted to keep that value that our church often highlights, of that value of meeting together in small groups as a community. Uh, and we really got to know our neighbors well through that whole process and, and kind of doing community group in a different way than normal uh, and this weekend, we got to gather together in one of the neighbor's houses because one of the families is about to move and we wanted to see them off. But as we walked back down the street and went home, I just started thinking, man, that is so um, cool that we've gotten to know our neighbors in this way. And there's something really special and unique about believers gathering together in their homes. We see that modeled in the early church. Uh, and that's something that we really value as fellowship that we gather together in large groups to worship together, but we also know that so much cool life change can happen when believers gather together in their homes. And so if you've never been a part of that, if you've never experienced anything like that, would you take a step towards that this fall? Would you get plugged in a community? It could be a class, it could be something in your neighborhood or a community group that's existing that you've got friends in. Do something involving community this fall. Uh, Hey, last thing. You may have noticed as you came in, we've got signs up on the doors and and many of the staff are wearing masks. We're encouraging everybody to consider wearing masks as we gather in large group areas, just in accordance with the CDC's recent recommendations for high-risk areas, which includes Arkansas. And so would you please consider that? We're strongly encouraging it. We wanna continue to gather together in a safe way. And so uh, to that end, we're gonna pray before we spend some time singing together and we'll pray for our communities uh, and their health uh, and our families. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for a morning like this that we can gather together. We're excited to worship you. Lord, for those of us maybe coming in that are are feeling a a reservation to worship you this morning, would you open that up? Whatever's blocking us from being able to step into a time of recognizing you for who you are, would you help us to see you clearly so that we can respond to you and worship like you deserve? Lord, we pray for the health of our community uh, with the COVID cases rising and hospitalizations. 
Lord, especially those in the family of faith that we have and, and from our church that are, that are sick or at the hospitals, would you heal them so they can come back uh, into community with us and we can see them and hold them. Lord, keep us safe. And uh, Lord, teach us from your word this morning. Uh, your word is powerful to change us. And, and Lord, your glory is, is so amazing. So help us get a glimpse of that this morning as we worship together as a family of faith. Amen. Thanks, Tad. Good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Uh, last week, Garland mentioned that there are multiple ways that we worship on Sunday mornings. One of those is through giving an offering. And so if you choose to worship in that way, the offering plates are gonna be passed at this time. And another way is that we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and we worship through singing. So let's do that this morning. If you're able to and can, will you stand with us? Let's sing about Christ alone, our cornerstone this morning.
Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Let's sing about this morning. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I went down to the crimson river, left my burdens on the shore. I went down a sinner, came up a saint, died with Christ, now I'm being Yes, He washed me with His mercy, and He cleansed me. redeemed from, from our sin. And so as we do that, we're gonna, we're gonna read something together um, in the form of a corporate confession. And then we're gonna take some time um, to just stay where we're seated and just pray and ask God for forgiveness over specific sins in our lives. And so let's read this. Great and merciful God, how we so quickly lose sight of your faithfulness. Forgive us, O Lord choose to fear the consequences and persecution of man over the obedience of your calling. 
forgive us, how we neglect the holiness of a sovereign king and forego the mission given to us. Forgive us, O Lord. How we choose convenience over faithfulness. Forgive us, O Lord. Yahweh, you are the one true king, our creator and savior. Have mercy on us and forgive us where we lose sight of your glory. And so church, where you're seated, let's begin to pray and ask God for forgiveness over specific sins. Ask Holy Spirit to reveal sins maybe you're not even aware of. Let's ask God to forgive us of those. Church, it is good for us to feel the weight of these sins, for us to confess and admit that we do in fact have a need for a savior. But there's good news that we do in fact have that savior through Jesus Christ. Through him and through him alone, we have assurance of pardon and we find that articulated so clearly in Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter five when he writes, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Our sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. Praise God, it is no more because of Christ, because of him alone. And so we can stand amazed this morning in the glory of Christ. And so if you're able to and could, let's stand together. And let's continue to sing about that glory.
do stand in utter amazement that you love us so much, God, sinners that fall short time and time again of the righteousness you've called us to, but God, what great news we have that although we cannot obtain that righteousness ourselves, you have sent your son to die for us so that we may inherit his righteousness, that it is now imputed unto us. And so God, it's in that mercy that we can stand and we can proclaim your goodness and your greatness. So God, thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his precious name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, team, and good morning, church family. It's good to be with you this morning. If I haven't met you, my name is Clark, and I have the privilege of serving as congregational leader here at Fellowship Fayetteville. One of the great joys of my life, my family's life, is to have you as our church family. And you've caught us in between. Uh, We've just wrapped up Hebrews, and Mickey did a great job doing that last week. If you missed that, be great to go back and tie the bow on the Hebrew series, catch up with a few of the devotions that you might have missed through, our, uh, the, through the manual that we provided, the devotional guide, and, uh, and catch up on that. Over the next six weeks, we're going to get to uh, just take a, a look behind the curtain at all things Fellowship Fayetteville in terms of mission and vision. We do this every August, and it's our opportunity to reset our sights, to check our gauges, and make sure that we are all on the same page in terms of where we're going as a church. Heard one leader say that vision leaks or mission drifts. And often churches can have what we call mission drift. And we find ourselves caught up in things that are important but not essential. And we want to reset our sights on the things that are essential here at Fellowship Fayetteville over these next six weeks. And then this fall, we're super excited. We're going to be jumping into 1 Timothy together. Um, We're going to be just kind of walking through that letter that Paul wrote to his son in the faith on how to pastor a local church in a really dark place, the city of Ephesus. And there's going to be things in that letter that you're going to be shocked are in the Bible. Okay, So just a little bit of teaser. You might read it before we start that in September. It's going to be some really... Really good stuff there. Um, But this morning, as we begin our time together, we're going to take some time and we're going to look at the why behind the why, the question behind the question, the mission behind the mission, uh, the glory of God. Um, Years ago, when my sons were younger, uh, God gave us five sons, or five sons, three sons under five, and... uh, this little knucklehead on your left there is, is uh, Jacob, our middle son. And so, yes, it's taking me down memory lane right now and uh, trying to hold back the years and the tears there. But Jacob uh, was our curious one, always asking why. Okay, why are the lights yellow? Why are the lights blinking? Why can't I have Skittles before bed? Why do I have to buckle? Why, why, why? And honestly, most often because of his personality, it wasn't out of rebellion. It was out of curiosity. Uh, One weekend, he found himself over in Mountain Home with Grandpa Rory. They're riding around in Grandpa Rory's truck, and he's asking the why questions. Why is this sign green? Why do we have to get gas? Why can't we get this toy that I've been asking for? Why, why, why? And Grandpa Rory asked the question behind the question. He said, Jacob, Why are you asking why? And Jacob was our talker, and he was silent. He he couldn't answer that question. And so Grandpa Rory closed the loop. And what we're going to do this morning, we're going to ask the question behind the question. We're going to look at the mission behind the mission. Why are we asking why? And I know some of you this morning are probably not uh, in a huge ex- existential mood this morning. Maybe you find yourself just happy to be here or glad you made it this morning. But our church mission statement is this. We exist, we exist to change the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world by producing and releasing spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ. 
This language has been consistent for the last 22 years in terms of how we look at the, the purpose of why we do things. And the why behind the why, the mission behind the mission here is that we exist ultimately to glorify God. This mission statement is how we go about doing that as a church. We exist ultimately to glorify God. And so just to give you a little bit of peek into where we're going, we're going to be looking today at the purpose behind our mission as a church, the glory of God. Next week, Garland's going to walk us through the message of our mission as we look at the gospel narrative, the good news of Jesus Christ, his perfect life lived in our place, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and ongoing ministry in our life through the Holy Spirit. It's good news for us. The week after that, we're going to look at the method behind our mission, what we call around here the Great Commission. After that, I'm going to come back and we're going to share the power behind our mission, prayer. God uses prayer in the lives of his followers to trust him to do things that we can't manufacture or pull off so that only he gets the glory. And then it's going to get really fun. We're going to take a look at how God is using your stewardship to partner with global workers around the world to see his name be made famous all around this globe. And then on Labor Day weekend, we're going to celebrate God's great work of his glory inside our city and how we can be a part of that. Can we get on board with that? It's going to be a great six weeks together before we hop in to 1 Timothy. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 17. If you have your devices, uh, pull those up. I love to hear those pages turning um, in your scriptures. You can do that. John chapter 17, 1 through 5. If you're not sure where that is, don't be afraid to use the table of contents. If you don't have a Bible, we have those out in the foyer for you. Our gift to you on the way out. John is the fourth book, the fourth gospel in your new Testament. John chapter 17, 1 to 5. I'm asking you to go here with me this morning. And in the fog of the hottest 10 days of the year and the anticipation of whatever the normal is going to be this fall, let's ask the big wine. We find Jesus here in the garden. He's before, this is just before his crucifixion experience. He's spending in time He's spending time in prayer with the Father, reflecting on his time on the earth and whether or not he's done what God had called and asked him to do and sent him to do. And he affirms that in their, this passage. He's also thinking outside of himself. He's thinking of the glory of his Father, and he's thinking of the ongoing ministry of his followers. And he's praying specifically for them to walk in unity. He prays that they would be sanctified by his Word And I think he captures the great wine that Jesus had come, and thus our great wine. If you could or you are able, would you stand with me as we read God's word this morning? When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. This is God's word. You may be seated. What a passage. Not only is five, five different times some form of the word glory is used here, father to son, son to father. And what is up with this pre-creation glory? A glory that existed before humanity, before creation. That Jesus Christ, his father and the Holy Spirit expressed and had before all creation. And we also have a definition of eternal life. This is a glory multivitamin. It's a glory B12 shot. Everything you need to know about glory is wrapped up in this passage. And how did he glorify God? It explicitly says 
that he completed, he accomplished the work that God had given him to do. Most scholars agree that this work is the work of redemption. The scriptures tell us in Luke 19.10 that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost, the work of redemption. And so this morning, we're going to look at the glory of God, not only just expressed in the life of Jesus, but some in the Old Testament, some in the New. We're going to look at these three questions. What is it? Why live for it? How to live for it? That'll be your outline this morning. I hope many of you are taking notes this morning. What is it? Why live for it? And how to live for it. Christopher Morgan says this in his book, The Glory of God, as he ruminates on this idea of the glory of God. The glory of God is the magnificence. It's the worth, loveliness, grandeur of his many perfections, which he displays in his creative and redemptive acts in order to make known his glory to those in his presence. We're gonna come back to that word, presence. The glory of God is interwoven Throughout the biblical story, it forms the origin, the content, the goal, and get this phrase, of the entire cosmic narrative. It's all-encompassing. It is so central to Scripture that the story of the Bible is in some sense the drama of God's glory. That's why you've heard some people say the Bible is simply the story of God's Glory, it's an easy way to remember it. The term glory is used so many different ways. It really is quite difficult to succinctly give it a definition. It for sure involves his attributes as expressed in creation. Um, in all his attributes, just his character, who he is, if you will, his essence. We know it involves his presence, whether it be Eden, the tabernacle, whether it be the temple, whether it be his indwelling presence of glory through his Holy Spirit in the New Testament church, for sure his glory in the New Jerusalem in that great city one day where it says there'll be no need for sun or moon because the glory of God will be the light of that city and we'll experience that fullness as followers of him. In the Old Testament, the concept of God's name, Yahweh, also implied the glory, a sacred glory. The primary Hebrew word that's used for glory simply implies this idea of weight or heaviness. Weight or heaviness. And we know, we, we know how the heaviness or the weight of presence works. So maybe not necessarily in a godlike way, but even in our own humanity. We know those who come into a room and because of their narcissism, they pull the life out of a room. And you can feel that. Some of you have friends or family members like that. Hopefully none of us are that person, right? And then some of us, we have someone in our family or our friend group, they breathe life into the room. That person for us is Pam, right? When we show up to a party, and it's just, or when I show up to a party and no one's seen Pam yet, the question is, where's Pam? Okay, y'all know her. She radiates joy. She breathes her very presence her character, her purity. She lights up a room. And in the same way, the weight of God's presence, it breathes life into a room. God's name, his presence, his attributes. Uh, one commentator, Paul David Tripp, says this. He says, consider the old school scales where you would weigh money, he goes, the idea behind this word weight is that idea of a scale, the creator weight, the creature weight. And our goal this morning is to make sure that as we live our life on that scale, the creator weight gets all the focus, gets all the attention. In the Greek, the word doxa refers to praise or fame. That's the word most often in the New Testament that's used for Glory it can be a noun, a verb, an adjective, or even we call, it, we call it a future destination. God's glory, it's intrinsic, not just extrinsic. It's not just what we see. It's true of who he is, independent of creation. It's his very essence. With all that being said, this is my feeble attempt to give us a working definition. You can see this on the screen. God's glory, it's the weight of God's character and presence. 
revealed in his sovereign work of creation, redemption, restoration. The weight of God's character and presence revealed in his sovereign work of creation, redemption, and restoration. That's gonna be our working definition um, for our series together. Why live for it? Psalm 19.1, many of you are familiar with this passage because creations declare, the creation declares it. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Creation screams that there is a God and we're accountable to him. It paints a picture of his beauty, his splendor, his majesty, his glory. When you see creation, if you're a follower of Jesus, something tells you this is otherworldly. I couldn't come up with this. This past month, I was out in Colorado, and it's the collision of God's beauty and splendor, of the smell of pine on those crisp, cool mornings, and you can hear the water trickling down the mountains and through the valleys as the snow melts, and the dry, hot air in the afternoons, the cool breezes in the evenings, the collision of colors, the white bark on the aspen trees as it collides with the blue sky and this fall will turn into the yellow aspen trees as they go through their fall change. It's beautiful. Some of you have experienced this on the buffalo, the waterfalls on the buffalo declare the glory of God. Pam got to see this sunset um, earlier this summer. It screams the glory of God. I remember driving down old wire taking our sons to McNair Middle School, taking a left on Township. Mid-October, Coach Brad, Fayetteville's beautiful, right? In, in the fall, in mid-October, driving down Township Hill, making my way, that cavernous collection of trees is, is the colors change. And guess what's coming up in the east? The sun. And I remember telling my boys, look, God is saying, good morning, my, nurse, my mercies are new every morning, and you're accountable to me. I am here. This is proof that I exist. These trees are screaming my glory. The creation screams the glory of God. So do his people and the purpose they were created for. In Isaiah 43, huh, the prophet says this about his sons and daughters as he gathers them around the globe. He says, I've called them by my name. I created them for my glory. I formed and made them. The scriptures literally tell us that his people, the very essence of why God created them was for his glory. And he designed us, now hear me, he designed us to be the best version of humanity when we live for something and someone outside ourselves. Not for you, but for the one that made us. It's the way he wired us. This summer, I was doing some fence repair, and uh, I couldn't find the hammer in my garage. Anyone bump into that on occasion? Someone else has always taken it, yeah. And so maybe that happened to you this week. Well, um, so I just figured, well, it's, it's one nail. I can use a wrench. Figure that out, right? So I find myself in the backyard, I'm sweating, and um, I'm, I'm trying to lock that, that nail in, and I start hammering with the wrench. And not only do I bend the nail, but I damage my hand, okay? And then I did what any self-respecting neighbor would do. I went and typed in Garland's garage code, and I stole his hammer, and, and I got the job done. Uh, the creator of a hammer knew what they were doing. They created a hammer. It had a purpose, and the creator knows how to best use it. The same way with us. God's created that for us. Um, this past summer, I got to take my son, Bo, and some of his buddies and a couple of dads out to Canyonlands, and we rented Jeeps, and we did the Canyonlands White Rim Trail. And uh, it's a little different than catting around in my Honda in Fayetteville. Let's just say that. And uh, I remember hearing an old man on the trail as I was gripping the steering wheel, and looking over 400-foot cliffs, he said, you got to let the Jeep do what it was made to do. Trust the Jeep to climb the hills and to barrel down them as well. And I kept hearing that over and over again as I drove in fear around the next corner. They were made for that type of terrain. We are made, formed for 
the glory of God. Revelation 4.11, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. By your will they existed and were created. The key and foundation, every person in here has probably asked the question, why do I exist or what is God's will for my life? Ultimately, his will for your life is to live for him and his glory. This is the foundational principle. Another reason that we live for the glory of God is to participate in his redemptive work. I'm going to go back to Hebrews. We could have looked at a lot of verses here. I wanted to celebrate one of my favorite verses in Hebrews. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, completing the work that God had called him to do, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. One of the reasons we glorify God is we get to participate in proclaiming this message, that he is now at the right hand because he's made purification for sin so that you could be made right with God, and he's upholding the universe now by the word of his power. It's one of the reasons we were created for the glory of God to proclaim that message. Romans eleven thirty six: from him, through him, to him, all things, to him be glory forever. Friends, family, this is where history is going. God is in complete sovereign control of every world event and he's moving things for the purpose of his glory. Now, I understand in the details, in the minutia of the life that we feel and live in and the pain, it's hard to understand that sometimes. God's been up to this from the beginning. He is moving things to and for his glory. All things are designed and will glorify him forever. Kevin DeYoung says this, he says, we glorify God when we throw a spotlight on how great he is. This is how to live for him, how to live for the glory of God, to make much of him, to glorify God is to magnify the greatness of his character, to glorify God is to honor his worth. When we point others to the majesty of God and we're satisfied with the worth and weight of this majesty, it makes us, God glorifies said in the same way in Matthew 5, 16. If you understand the, the context of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the whole passage is actually about heart righteousness, not bringing attention to yourself for the things that you do in front of people. And he says this in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When the light of Jesus shines through us, through service unto others, the Father receives glory. Another way how we live it is we declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. We play our part, and that's what we're going to celebrate here in a few weeks. Our part in declaring the weight of his presence, the weight of his character, his mighty works among all the peoples of the earth. And we're saying, hey, there's one true God in Jesus Christ whom he whom he has sinned, and he's worthy of living for. As they argued and battled through discussion about whether or not they could um, eat meat, eat certain foods that had been sacrificed to idols in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 10 here, he says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do everything. Do all things to the glory of God. And in this case, the way to do that for them was to walk in deference to a fellow brother in service to them out of the glory of God, forsaking something they had freedom in for the sake of something bigger than themselves, the very glory of God. Let's get even more practical. I wanna get incredibly practical here this morning because some of you are going to work in the morning and you're trying to figure out how do I apply this to the day-to-day, -to, -day, to the mundane. Why do you work? How does one bring the weight? How are you gonna bring the weight of God's character and presence to the marketplace this week? In what ways will you bring his redemptive and restoration narrative to your work environment? Why do you stay in your marriage? It's the glory of God. Why do you parent so intentionally for the glory of 
God, why are you content in your current season of singleness that some of you find yourselves in? Because the glory of God is worth it. The weight of his presence and his character is worth it. Many of you have shown me over the years that you have hope in the face of death that you've seen your loved ones pass. Why? Because the glory of God. Why do you enjoy a good meal? Why do you recreate? Why do you care for your body? Why do you serve others for the glory of God? Why do you steward your earthly resources and enjoy a good sunset or a good sunrise for the glory of God? Some of you, you stay right in the middle of the crucible, the collision of pain and joy as you take care of someone that you love and you get nothing in return. Some of you are in that season right now. It's for the glory of God. You're serving in a way that no one sees. He gets glory from that. You're living for something outside of yourself under his face, expressing his character and his presence. We celebrate the glory of God when we see the birth of a child. It's an amazing miracle. And yet, one of the miracles I've seen many of you work through as you find yourselves in the persevering crucible of infertility for the glory of God that sustains you in the middle of that when it doesn't seem like he's being faithful. It's for his glory. Why do you keep fighting sin? How do you handle yourself at a Razorback game? September the 11th, 2021, when uh, some folks from Austin come to town. How's that gonna work out for you? For the glory of God. Let's stay in this. Romans 1 says that the glory of God, the creator, when it's exchanged for the glory of the created thing, bad things happen. It's what we call sin and idolatry. When we sin, we in essence make ourselves the weight, and in doing so, we take on a burden we were never meant to carry. Only God can sustain true glory. Only God can hold that up. And so why not keep looking at pornography? It's for the glory of God we walk away from it. Why not have another drink? Why not tweet your opinion on a political issue? Because for the glory of God, you make a decision to hold your tongue and to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Why not just keep giving in to greed and piling up your life with things that don't feed your discontented heart. Why? Because of the glory of God, it's worth it. Why not charge that expense as a business expense? No one would ever know. Because of the glory of God, the weight of God's presence and his character so that you can be a person of integrity in the marketplace. Why not go ahead and give in to that emotional affair? Why do you need more followers to be an influencer? What motive is behind all you post? What's your motive? The glory of God. Does your speech, does your behavior image forth the character and the presence of God on this planet? And this one's tricky. Some of us in this room, part of our income, part of our personal economy is to create personal brands that do do enrich the life of others, but they're centered around our name. Getting really practical here. How do you live for the glory of God, and promote your name? I don't have an easy answer for you. I'm asking you to search your heart and consider your motive. Figure out how to make your brand a manifestation of bringing glory to God in a culture that says, look at me. We're here to live for the glory of God of God, does your thought life value everything above all things on the earth? Is he above all those things? Is he the greatest weight in your life? Let me end with this. How does a God who lives for his own glory not be accused of doxological glory mongering or narcissism? How can this God that we claim to worship not be guilty of the very thing he tells us not to do? Have you ever thought of that? If it's just about him, he gets all the glory. How is that okay? It's easy to say, well, he's creator God and he has the right to rule simply because of that. 
let me suggest this. Back to John chapter 17, verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. The hour has come. You see, our God that desires glory and will share it with no one else, our God gave and our God sacrificed. This hour that has come that manifests glory from the Son to the Father and the Father to the Son, it's the hour of passion, of the death of Jesus. This is what Scripture says is the way of glory for our God. For your sake, he became poor that we might become rich. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. He humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He had no former majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, one from whom men would hide their faces. Here's your glory. Here's the path to glory. We esteemed him not. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, oppressed, a lamb led to the slaughter. It was the Lord's will to crush him. Whoever would be great among you would be your servant. Whoever would be first among you would be your slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And then John the Baptist says this, among you stands one you don't know, even who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he goes on to say, he must increase, I must decrease. The Christian faith says this, glory by our God comes by way of sacrifice, by way of giving, suffering, and service. And that is how we bring him glory. The throne came through the cross. The throne came through the cross in church family this morning, there's no man or woman worthy of this kind of glory in our culture today. There's no athlete, there's no coach, there's no super parent, there's no politician, there's no man or woman on this planet that should ever be given this kind of honor, this kind of worship, this kind of glory, but the one true God, the God-man, Jesus Christ. He says, I, my glory I will not give to another in Isaiah 42, eight. And so I wanna close our time like this before we reflect on some time, the glory of God and his goodness through worship and song. If you are able, as a follower of Jesus this morning, I wanna ask you to kneel. I want to ask you to turn around. If your dress is appropriate this morning, I want to ask you to turn around and kneel at your chair. I'm gonna do that here on the stage. And I wanna remind us of this final verse. Therefore, Philippians 2, God's exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church family, this is happening. It's happened at the cross. There's a day coming where the fullness of every knee bowing, every tongue confessing in judgment or mercy will be a reality. Let's posture our hearts through the act of kneeling this morning as I pray for us this morning. Father, as a family of faith, we recognize the weight of your presence and character, your great work of creation, your ongoing work of redemption and restoration. And those around this planet, those in this room, help us, empower us to be the weight of your presence, to be the weight of your character in all the spaces and places we find ourselves in Fayetteville this week. Unto your name, and unto your glory we ask these things. Amen. Should nothing of our end.
comfort stand, no legacy
body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance by heavy stone Messiah still in His name, his fame, his glory is worth the weight of your life this week. In every space and place, let's manifest the character, the weight of his character, the weight of his presence as we partner with him in his work of redemption. We celebrate creation and we see God bring restoration to his grand plan to glorify himself. If you find yourself in a place where this was a miss for you this morning because you're not quite there. We have people in our prayer room that are available for you to pray over you, to ask God to do something incredible in your life, to bring his presence to you. If you'd like to take communion, we also have that available in the prayer room as well. Hey, it's great to be with you this morning, church family. Let's have a great week together, bringing glory to his name.